Hello and welcome to a very special All Villa No Villa, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. It's our end of season review. We'll relive the highs and lows of this year's campaign and we'll also relive our predictions from the start of the season. So forget about your Oscars, your Emmys and your auto windscreen shield. These are the awards that really matter. But before we dish out the much-coveted prizes, let's hear from our very own Golden Globe, Frankie Maguire. Uh, Frankie, how are you? Haven't the Golden Globes been cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't everybody like, like not going on them anymore and stuff like that? That's I think you've of... been cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not getting invited to any parties or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, not doing too bad. I'm, uh, uh, George, I'm buzzing. We're going to Europe next season. We're going to Europe, Frankie. I knew yeah. it. We're all knew going it. on a have... European holiday. And I, I just knew it was going to happen this season. Just knew it. Yeah. I know. Oh, I didn't at all. When we were losing 3-0 away at Fulham, I knew it. I I believed. <laughs> I steadfastly believed that Europe was on the cards Absolutely. and we would have waltzed to it. Um, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, mate? It's it's just... Oh. Yeah. It's been a long time since Villa were in Europe. Yeah. So the thought of us playing away in wherever, I don't care... It could be on the up, the dark side of the moon. It could be on um, the the Jupiter's moon, your frozen moon, Europa. I, I don't care. The thought of Villa playing against uh, the frozen moon, Europa's first eleven is just exciting me. It's, it's so much, George. Very exciting. I don't know how we get away tickets to Europa, but it, it'd be tough. But uh, but look. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even think about that. It's called Europa. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was the pun. Didn't even make the connection there. <laughs> An accidental pun. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just buzzing. I'll be, I, and I'm still, you know, it's a few days now since the Brighton win, but I'm still riding the crest of a of a of an enthusiastic wave. Um just um knowing that Aston Villa have made it into Europe and to think what an incredible achievement it was by Professor Unai. And what an achievement it was by the players as well. Um, so, George, uh, with your uh, with your cat currently uh, accosting you, I will ask, how are you feeling? Yeah, I feel I feel very good, Frankie. I feel great. I feel fantastic. It's um, it's been a long time coming. We've we we we're a long suffering fan base, aren't we? It's been um, what thirteen years since we were in Europe. Um, so you know, for for a club of our standing, our stature, that that's that's a long time to be waiting for it, um, and it's come in the most unexpected of ways, hasn't it? I mean, when we were, as you say, as when we were getting thumped three 0 away to Fulham, um, Europe felt like a long, long way away, didn't it? Um, mm. But in 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 a few short months, Professor Unai's come in, and and he's and he's just wonders. He's a magician, isn't he? Um, you know, managing to turn this club around without really making any changes to the to the team, aside from Moreno, of course. So, um, so yeah, it's just been it's just been phenomenal. And and I actually watched the game in a in a little sort of bar in in the Netherlands this weekend. Um, so I was I was on the continent, so I got a sense of what it might feel like perhaps to to be playing. I wasn't too far away from Alkmaar actually, who are obviously um, they played in the uh, the uh, Conference League against West Ham, didn't they, in the semi final recently? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a I got a sense of of what it would feel like to to follow the Villa abroad, and it's just it's just a really really exciting prospect. And um, you know, we we've talked about this before about uh, opportunities and chances to win the competition. You know, if, if if West Ham can get to the final, if they can win it potentially, you know, Rangers got to the final of the Europa League. Um, you know, I think we've got we've got a real chance, particularly with Emery at the helm, 
and with a few additions this summer um, to, 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 to challenge and go far in the competition and take it seriously. Again, it's, it goes back to what I was saying before about the previous times we were in it in recent years. Well, not so recent years now, but under, under O'Neill, we just didn't take it seriously. I don't think you'll get that with Emery. I think he will, you know, play very competitive sides and he'll want to win, uh, you know, all the games that we play in it. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really exciting time. Just the thought of, you know, watching a, a, a draw, you know, a draw for a European Cup competition where Villa are in the hat um, is, is really, really intriguing and exciting. So, yeah, I just, I just can't wait for it to begin now. And, um, and hopefully we'll have a really exciting summer too in terms of transfers to prepare for it. I'm already booking my space for the Open Top Bus Parade next season, George. I'm going to be right outside <laughs> Snobs, right outside Snobs, just so I can walk straight in there and we can relive our glory days, go into the indie room, you know, uh go but but you said you were near Alkmaar watching the watching the game. Mm. Um I hope you were preparing uh for um you know, did you see that West Ham fan? I, oh yeah, Nolsey. Yeah, I Nolsey. Saw, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a right old ruckers, didn't he? Little old dap up with the those the Dutch lads, didn't he? Yeah. Are you, are you gonna are you gonna be our Nolsey? Um uh well I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch. I'll I'll be <laughs> I'll command from Rose Ed. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you'll call the authorities and make I'll, sure that it's all dispersed. I'll, I'll say all the I'll say all the insulting things, and then run behind our nose. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Me and you will be like Roman centurions with our shields, standing up uh, to the Alkmaar fans as they try and storm us. But uh, but yeah, bring them on. I'm a, yeah, can't wait. I feel like uh, with Professor and either way he approaches the game, the way this club invests. Uh, I just think um, we can take anybody on. Um, yeah. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, you know, we, it's been a long old season, season, and we've we've now reached this, we've reached this point now, um, and it's all done and dusted, and we can breathe a huge sigh of relief. But as we said at the start of the show, this is a this is a a season review. Uh, so the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. Mm. Um, you know, let's let's have a look back on this season as a whole, Frankie. What did you? What did you make of it? I mean, where, where do you where do you start? It's been it's been frantic, hasn't it? It started off as if like it was a Mark Lawrence soliloquy. Mark Lawrence and soliloquy. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't really like football. I don't know why I watch it. I just watch Villa lose all the time. I don't know. And then it became just this buzzing, exciting, you know, oh, just a, just a great orator performing to the world. It was just magic um to go from the very depths from the bottom of the very bottom to the very highest highs to go from uh the earth's core to the top of mount everest that is how it felt to go from the absolute useless useless reign of steven gerrard in the first quarter of this season which it was it was rubbish it was counterproductive nothing went right he was, um, you know, I heard the Football Ramble, a great podcast, describe him as a cheerleader the other day. I think the way I would describe it is um, Stevie Big Bollocks. He comes in, he thinks he's Billy Big Bollocks. He says, you look me in the eye. I'm going to walk around and just be Alex Ferguson. All the coaches are going to do whatever. And I'm going to come in with all my aura and my my presence. And you're just going to, you know, all the players are going to perform because I'm Steven Gerrard. I'm the man. I'm Stevie Big Bollocks. But you know what? That soon got exposed, and it got exposed in the f- in the first two minutes of the season at Bournemouth. Mm. We couldn't defend a set piece to save our lives while Gerard was there. Now, you know, so within two minutes, Bournemouth score, 
and Villa were awful. That game was the biggest shock, you know, after, you know, a heavy investment in the summer, after a a decent enough pre-season, after giving time to Gerard to be like, you know what, you've got time to, you know, instill whatever it is that your style of play is, get these players believing. Instead, it was confusing. Instead, he was saying to people like Tyra Mings and Aston Villa stalwart, you know, um, look me in the eye, all that, that very alienating, weird approach. He had every right to name his own captain. Fine, I get it. But it was just weird. And um, uh, from that moment on, that the shock of that loss to Bournemouth, who themselves were in a terrible spot, if you remember, with Scott Parker and the things that had been happening that summer, for us to then, you know, just be as bad as we were. And then I went to the Crystal Palace game, and I've said it a few times, that was where I was fully checked out with Gerard. I was like, you know, that was third game of the season. Villa had no tactics. We didn't know how to press forward. Our defenders would pass and pass and pass to each other with no way of getting out of the uh, our th- own third. Um, John McGinn was being played in the Douglas Louise role. Douglas Louise was on the bench. Emi Buendia didn't start a game at home until uh, Gerard left. I mean, I'm just saying all these things in just total bewilderment of what happened. So then when St- when Unai Emery came in, the professor, the man who I want to get a tattoo of on my face, the man who I want to write poetry to, the man who I've started to learn knitting for, because I want to knit it, you know, knit my own blanket of tributes to Professor Unai. If I was an architect, everybody who commissions me would be saying, why does this building look like the face of Unai Emery? That's how much I love the man. Seriously. He's been incredible. And um, so he came in. And what he's done is he's shown what it, you know, he's shown a high footballing IQ in that every single game we play in, it looks like Villa have a different approach or we have a we have a game plan. We have a way of potentially negating a team, as you saw against Newcastle, who never lose. We battered them. And as you saw against Liverpool, who won seven games in a row. And we stopped, you know, the uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who'd been causing havoc in recent games. And then uh, on top of that, he has a high EQ, the emotional quotient, in that he he clearly connects with these players on some kind of emotional level, making them believe, making them believe in what they, in how good they actually are. Because this, these are really good players. You know that you know. I think in the Gerard era, there was a, there was a sense that you know these players might not be up to it, or these players are, can't play the way he wants. And instead, actually, these players were up to it. They just weren't being trained right. They weren't being coached right. And now we have a manager who doesn't sit around all week, you know, sitting in he's playing Grand Theft Auto all bloody week in his gaming room. Instead, he's sitting there watching video after video of Fulham, of Bournemouth, of whoever it is working out a way that Villa can play against them. And he's instilled a style of play that's completely transformative, that that makes the team look really confident on the ball from back to front, anywhere on the pitch. And it's resulted in Aston Villa being one of the best teams of the Premier League, looking like a team that can take on anyone. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not Man City, we're not, but we're teams that can take on anyone on our day, and we're a team that can aim for the absolute, you know, whatever we want right now. With a manager who um, has got the fans believing, the players believing, everything. It's a real, you know, it's been a fun. Whatever happens with Emery now, whatever wherever this goes, I'm confident it's going to go continue in a positive trajectory. But what he's given us in this half season, getting us into Europe. It's been absolutely fantastic. Ten out of ten. Yeah, I think I think what Emery has instilled is just a sense of professionalism and um, experience. And you know, it is chalk and cheese, isn't it? Both in terms of performance and personality. I mean, I mean, Emery is is such a humble man. He, he always he always talks about the fans. He's ne- he's very deferential. He doesn't really talk about himself and his ability, even though it's plain to see how 
gifted he is as a, as a football coach. Whereas Gerard was all kind of, you know, the ego, the big talk, but very little in terms of um, actual production on the, on the pitch and evidence that he was a capable manager for us. So, you know, if we kind of look back over the early games that we, we played, I mean, the Bournemouth game, obviously the opener is the, is the one I look to straight off the bat and think that was the moment really the you know, first game of the season where I, I thought we, we, we might be in trouble here. I, I know, I know mm. there might be some people listening thinking, well, you know, it was away, it was against, you know, a newly promoted side, but, you know, bearing in mind, Steven Gerrard had a full um, preseason. He had, he brought in the signings early and he brought in players that, you know, were, were supposed to, kind of do the business you know we were talking last season about how we needed a Kamara type figure ideally Kamara we managed to get him in early doors um and um I know Carlos uh unfortunately was injured early in the season but we brought him in um for that game against Bournemouth as well and they just looked completely clueless against a side that had been newly promoted sure and it was their first game of the season but on paper you know, not the strongest side by any measure. Okay, they've obviously stayed up and, and fair, you know, credit to Gary O'Neill for, for doing that. But this mm-hmm. was Scott Parker's Bournemouth that, that did struggle in the early stages. Um, and we, and, and we, we could have lost that 3 4 0 in the end. Um, we didn't have so, a shot so, on target. We didn't have a shot. Yeah, it was, it it was, was, a, it was shocking. It was, it was a shock. shock. It, was, it, was, it was pathetic. But then that was followed up with a win at, at Villa Park against Everton. Um, which was awful but, as well. Which was terrible. You know, we 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 were Lampard so lucky versus Gerrard, two of the worst managers of the season, playing against yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so but that was you know, on paper you think, okay, well that's three points in the bag. Let's see how we how we respond. And then we get thumped by Palace, a game that you were at. Um, again, you know, you, you're looking at the performance just to see if there's any kind of shoots of recovery, and there just there just isn't any. I mean, you know, Palace didn't even have to get, come out of second gear to to beat us. Um, and then, you know, we've got defeats against West Ham, Arsenal, uh, a horrible draw against Leeds where they were down to 10 men for large chunks of the game. And we, we offered nothing. Um, and then, you know, you, you come to the, the, the Chelsea game where Gerard said beforehand that, you know, Chelsea should come to Villa Park and be, you know, and should thump us pretty much. Um, and it's just, 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 it, it was not just the, the way we were set up on the pitch that wasn't working. It was kind of the, just his mentality and the way he was speaking, the way he was conducting himself, which just didn't feel like we had a connection with him. Not at Again, all. chalk and no. cheese to how, how the fans have taken to Emery. Um, you know, we feel like, you know, we're, we're all, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, don't we? And, and that was never the case with Gerard, either with the players or the fans. As, as I say, he ostracized himself from Tyrone Mings. He, um, you know, Gave, gave McGinn the captaincy, but played him out of position. So he struggled to assert himself, but then had the pressure of trying to lead the side. Um, and and just all of it just wasn't working. And we plugged away with him for so long. And eventually became that game against Fulham, which was just, it really was the cherry on top, wasn't it? It was just that moment where we were so lost. Um, you know, we were hoofing balls forward. We, there was no, there seemed like there was no strategy. There was no sense of, trying to change the game. It was like, well, he couldn't change the game with the substitutions that we made. Mm. And again, Fulham could have won that game 4-5-0 in the end. It was such a comfortable win. And then he had the, t- the toxic moment where the fans are calling for his head. And, and Sawiris yeah. stormed out of that game, didn't he? Nassif yeah. Sawiris was there and he stormed out. He did. And, and Ger- Gerard walked off the pitch. He didn't even acknowledge the fans. And then, you know, from that point on, the writing was on the wall. But then, but then yeah, the second half of the season, just 
unbelievable. I mean, getting Emery in was a huge coup for this club. You know, obviously at the time we we were thinking about, you know, Emery wasn't even on our list really, was he? John, we did a show about who the potential candidates were mm. and, um, and Emery... I'm- barely featured never dreamed because, we'd get him someone yeah like because we never, never thought, dreamed that we never thought he'd come but then obviously considering where so, we were in the table at the time of course yeah, yeah 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 i mean we were a few points away from the drop zone weren't we so for him to come in and buy into the project and so is to go and meet him personally to try and sell him the project um you know credit to him and again it shows you know the the, the commitment that the owners have to trying to make um villa a successful team and it starts with the manager and, and emery was absolutely the right man to, to to bring in and immediately he just he sort of changed the culture i mean you know he started with that incredible win against man united what a way to start oh yeah exactly i mean and, yeah. and that set the tone for the for the rest of the season it was it was just phenomenal um uh you know there was a slight lull i think maybe after the um the world cup break uh where we lost to liverpool at home i mean you know they, they, they are liverpool but but again our performance our performance was okay, you know. We, we there were we had chances to uh, to get something from that game, and that and that's that's what you want, you know. In every game, you just want to be competitive. You might win, you might lose, draw, whatever, but you you always want to be in games, and that was something that I didn't really notice under Steven Gerrard, but certainly under Emery, even the games we lost, you know, we we, we were creating chances and uh, yeah. and we were we were competitive. So um, so yeah, I mean, you know, just you know, standout games I, th- I can think of was obviously Tottenham away. Um, uh, I would say, you know, obviously Newcastle, a Chelsea away, um, just just some incredible um, results and performances. So um, so yeah, it's just it's just it's just incredible that we've managed to to do what we've done, and, and Emery has been at the the the, the, um, the spearhead of all of it. Absolutely, he's uh, yeah. What it's it's just transformative, and it's the first time in you know such a long time that I've really felt we have a manager who I just totally believe in everything he does, no matter what decision he makes. You know, including today, Ashley Young has left Aston Villa uh, as it's been announced by the club. Um, again, I, I I was you know I was a bit like Kendall Roy in Succession, just you know looking off solemnly into the distance at all times, uh, but. Uh, when I found out, but you know, at the end, you know, I, 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 I get it. You know, I, I really would have loved him to stay in the ideal world. Cause I think he's just been such a fantastic servant to Villa. One of our greatest players of this century. Um, but easily he was, he was, you know, I think it was James Rushton house of V newsletter had been on his podcast before described him as Grealish before Grealish, which is what he was. He was that Grealish figure, you know, uh, playing on the left, cutting in on his right. Um, the attacking fulcrum under in the Martin O'Neill golden era. And then he went on and had a fantastic career at Manchester United and Inter- Internationale. And then uh, came back to Villa and to, the intelligence of him, the intelligence of this player to have um, not ju- from adjusted from a Grealish style role in a team to become a player who is, you know, such an, a good defender, positioning his body so well, so good at just cutting out the most skillful attacking players you can think of doing doing a stand-up job against all of them and then even at Inter where he was more of a you know attacking bombing on winger essentially um amazing what what a career what a player and what a servant to Aston Villa and I have nothing but good things to say about Super Ashley on yeah I mean what what, what a servant he's been um in, in both 
both spells with the club. I know in the you know the first spell, he he perhaps left in you know fairly acrimonious circumstances. But you know in hindsight, you can't necessarily blame him. I mean, it's it's Man United. He's certainly not the first, and probably won't be the last Villa player to to leave us for for Man U. And um, he went on to achieve uh, you know lots with the club, and subsequently did some fantastic things abroad with Inter, as you say, and and has come at the age of. When he joined us, probably was, he was 36, wasn't he, when he joined us? And he's just incredible. He's 37 now and um, could still do a job in the Premier League. And, and more, you know, more than a job, he's he's, he's a good, very good Premier League player. Um, he, he hasn't aged, <laughs> it would seem. It's incredible. Um, but you'd, you'd think any club coming up, you know, a, a Luton or a... You know, a, a club like that would um, would be very wise to 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 approach him to sign a to sign a deal with them because the experience he's got, his mentality, his personality, he, he seems quite an infectious character. Mm. Um, and even if he wasn't going to play that much next season, I would have been tempted to keep him on just just for his for his, for that for that alone to have that as I said that experience playing in the European competitions, which not many of our players do, but he does. Um, it would have perhaps been beneficial, but you know, in Emery we trust, as we say, and um, there's a reason behind that decision to uh, to not extend his contract. Yeah. Um, you know, it could suggest that we we've we've got a really big summer in 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 mind. Um, we would we'd have to replace him in some way. Yeah. So um, so yeah, he'll be missed, and and also his, his versatility, the fact he could he could play as a midfielder, a fullback, a centre half if he wanted to. You know, he he can he can. He can fill up plenty of roles, so that that will be a that will be a loss as well. But as I said, and, and as we mentioned already, Emery is 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 just is is almost he's getting to the point where we we almost shouldn't really question what he does because he's he's proven it on the on the field and and, and proven it in terms of his, his ability. So um so yeah, disappointed to see him go for sure, but credit to him for coming back and putting in a hell of a shift for us again and um and he and he leaves with nothing but respect which is perhaps not what he left with the first time that he uh he departed all villa no filler on youtube twitter facebook and instagram welcome back everybody now it is time for this It's our third annual All Villa No Filler Awards. Uh, three years, Frankie. I can't believe it's been wow. going on for three years. Incredible. Uh, well, I am sure that every Villa player will proudly display their trophies on the mantelpiece. So, first things first, let's start off with the big one. It's not like the Oscars. We're not going to start off with the rubbish ones first. We're going to go straight in. The big one, Frankie. Player of the season. Who is your player of the season? My player of the season, as we walk along this red carpet here, all the photos, all the blinding lights of the photographers flashing in our eyes, George. Um, uh, player of the season for me uh, is the man who looks like he belongs on a red carpet. The man who looks like he belongs uh, as the leading role in a Marvel film, that handsome individual who could walk to the top of Mount Olympus and Zeus would step aside from his seat for him. Uh Ty the God of Thunder, Tyro Mings. For me, um, I think it's it's uh, somewhat difficult to argue when uh, supporters have voted for Douglas Ruiz as player of the season and the players voted for Douglas Ruiz as player of the season. Um, it's very difficult to argue with that considering that Douglas Ruiz has been so excellent. Um, he's looked like a, 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 to be honest, world-class midfielder, very intelligent midfielder who links up the back line to the front line so well, offers so much 
metronomic player, um, very intelligent. Um, but for me, I, I think the reason I go with Mings is just because it's been a bit of a story for him this season, hasn't it? You know, started off with, you know, the look me in the eye thing, some ostracism, he was benched, it, uh, captaincy taken off him, he wasn't even made a vice captain. It was very much like being in a relationship with someone who's trying to neg you, right? That's what it was with uh, old Steve, the big bollocks. And um, Steve. That's a great, it's a really good nickname, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling him that forever now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Stevie, so Stevie B. Stevie B. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you had to endure that with Stevie B. And uh, but then you know Diego Carlos got injured very early on, and he had to step back in and save the day. And um, he never complained. He never moaned about it. He never sort of put in any half-hearted displays. He just got on with it. He showed the mentality of why he actually is a leader, why somebody we have to take seriously, and somebody that we have so much appreciation for, both on the pitch. And off the pitch. Um, and then as soon as Emery came in, his display since Emery came in has been absolutely off the charts. I think he's been the one of the best centre-backs in the country, maybe even in Europe. I think his reading of the game has been superb. I think that his uh, when he pushes forward, he does so um, with real um, confidence and belief. And, in, you know, he's good at passing the ball. Uh, he's good on the ball, uh, much better on the ball than I think maybe people give him credit for um and then on top of that uh you know Villa playing a high line it's a very difficult tactic to to attempt to pull off and I don't think Villa could do that without Mings being there um to lead the line to do that and as uh, you know massive credit to the way Consa Moreno and Cashville played you know but I think Mings to me just considering you know what he had to go through at the start of the season to come back from that to play the way he has um, it's uh, awesome. Um, and, you know, the mistakes people say he makes, you know, there have been a few glaring ones in recent years. But since Emery joined, I can't think of a single one he's made. He's been a superb player and he well deserves that England call-up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite the story arc, isn't it, uh, for him? And um, I really hope that we vary these awards here, Frankie, because uh, Tyron Mings is absolutely getting my my player of the season. Oh no, too. it's like the spicy question again. <laughs> yeah, we'll just I keep know. agreeing. I know we're just too similar. We're too like minded. What's wrong yeah. with us? We need yeah. to be scrapping over this. But um, I, I do want to say notable mentions to a couple of other people that obviously crossed my mind as potential recipients of this very prestigious award. Um, I would say for me, uh, John McGinn would be up there and would be under consideration. I think. The fact that he had the captaincy thrust on him. I mean, obviously, he, he, uh, it was a great honor for him. But despite all that, there was there was a, there was a big kind of furore around Mings being stripped of it. So he obviously he didn't he didn't need that to go kind of go alongside with uh, his new responsibilities as captain. Mm. But then he was also sort of played out of position by Stephen Gerrard, so he couldn't really influence himself on the pitch as a leader, as a captain, and and results were were proving difficult under Stevie G. So, so you know, he was getting bad rep as captain. His form was really, really patchy under Stephen Gerrard. But since Emery came in, I mean, he's been absolutely transformed. He's been played in a sort of interesting position, sort of out, out right. And then uh, as the season's come to an end, he's been played in a more familiar kind of almost attacking offensive role. And he's really, really thrived. I think he's gotten leaner. He's gotten fitter. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't think many people can complain 
about his captaincy now, to be honest. I mean, he, he just just fantastic stuff. And I think an iconic moment for me is right at the end of the season against Brighton in the final minute of the game where he's using his big booty to shield the ball out of play for a corner to Villa and the final whistle goes and he gives it a big fist pump to the whole end. Yeah. Just iconic iconic stuff. And, and it sort of really highlights a turnaround in his season. Uh, and of course, an honourable mention too to, to um, Ollie Watkins, who yeah. whose goal scoring again under Emery is just skyrocketed. Emery made the good, the, the, the correct and right decent call to get rid of uh, Danny Ings. I've got nothing against Ings, but I think having him there was a big distraction. And uh, and you know Watkins was reinstalled as the number nine, as aren't you? Well, not the number nine because that's Traore, but you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, you know the, the the man leading the line, scoring the goals, and what a prolific rate of scoring he had from uh, from January into the end of the season. So, um, so yeah, just phenomenal effort from him too. Unlucky not to get into the England squad, of course. But Tyro Mings, I, I think, as I say, his story arc going from stripped of the captaincy, stripped of his place in the side, potentially being shipped out at the end of August if Carlos hadn't picked up that injury, to uh, to dusting himself down and, and playing through all that. And then again under Emery, just being Mr. Consistent, getting that new contract, uh, that Emery uh, pushed for, um, you know, that was one of the first things. Remember that Emery did as Villa manager was to tie Tyrone Mings down to a to a new deal, um, and then to put in performance after performance, just just as part of that defensive unit again, where we've gone back to what we were a couple of seasons ago, where we were keeping clean sheets uh, every other week, pretty much, um, and uh, and yeah, the, the the cherry on top is of course the call up to the England team um, last week, so. So yeah, I, I can't look past Tyrone Mings there. He, he represents the club so well and I can't wait to see him sort of represent the club uh, uh, continentally when we play in European football next season. Mm, for sure. Right. Shall we move on? Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we? That's <laughs> done and dusted. There we are. Uh, Shall we, we, we The best on. award we show ever, on. just like the Oscars, this. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a pause of dramatic effect, just so Tyron <laughs> Mings, when he listens, can really kind of soak up yeah. what we've just said, our comments, you know, the affirmation. He can just sort of sit yeah. there just for a brief couple of seconds. You're, you're all Villa or no Villa award is in the post, Tyrone. <laughs> yeah. But you can't yeah. wait to get that one. Absolutely. Drink that one in, Tyrone. So there we are. Tyrone Mings, player of the season. We both agree. Well, let's see how we feel about this one, Frankie, whether we both agree on this one. Moment of the season. The moment of the season, Frankie. Which one? Which is the moment of the season for you? Uh, it has to be getting Unai Emery in. <laughs> <laughs> Have we agreed again? Yeah, we've agreed again. We've agreed again, right. <laughs> we've wow. agreed again. Okay. Um, right, well... Uh, yeah, um, we're like uh, we're like char- a character in the mul- in uh, in Marvel's multiverse where we're just like different versions of the same person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right, well, um, I, I, you look hiring Unai Emery. I mean, it's just it just is the moment of the season, isn't it? It's when it all transformed. It's when Aston Villa finally got a manager who does have a certain aura about him. Has a certain uh, well has it has a historical pedigree of winning things at the very highest of the high levels, um, and he's come in and shown why he is such a um, a superb manager. Why you know in, in that time he's shown a high IQ, a high EQ, um, shown the lot. Um, he's been an incredible um, uh, hire by Aston Villa, maybe the best manager already that I have seen in all the time I've supported Villa. Genuinely, um, he's definitely up there. 
Um, and uh, long may it continue. I say. I just, I just think, yeah. I mean, considering where we were when he, when he came in after the off the back of the, you know, the three nil Fulham loss and and then a four nil loss at Newcastle. Um, it was uh, an, an 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 amazing inspired hire, and uh, that for me was our moment of the season. Yeah. My moment, I've changed my mind. My moment of the season was um, the shocking revelation that Douglas Luiz and Alicia Lehman had broken up. Oh yes, uh, that was huge news. Uh, yeah. I thought they were. I thought they were going to be together forever. But no, that fall that that does that does fall into second place for me. Really, moment of the season, getting Emery in, just a, uh, what a coup, unbelievable. You know, I was actually listening back to the shows that we were doing after he got sacked, and there were rumblings of Pochettino. Of course, he seemed to be the main front, front runner for a while. And uh, and, the, and that sort of fell away, um, and we weren't able to to get that one over the line. Um, but uh, but you know other names were linked that were linked to us, other high profile names like Thomas Tuchel and Emery were, were in that category of managers that we felt we would have no chance of getting. So we were talking about sort of managers maybe underneath that level. Uh, I think we were we were looking for a manager at the same time the Wolves were, and we were we we felt that we were in the same the same. Um, uh, category as them in terms of a, a, attracting a manager, um, but no, I mean em- Emery. Emery is a legitimate world class manager. He's he's managed some some massive clubs, huge characters, huge names, huge stars, and he's come here and he's had an absolutely transformative um, approach on any, of everything. His his effect is has trickled down through the entire club and. You know, he's one of those managers where, you know, if we do compare him to Gerard, although I don't really want to do much more of that because it's, you know, as I said on the last show, chalk and cheese, those two. But um, but he he does his talking with his 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 um his tactical now, his ability to change things in a game, his ability to bring on subs that actually make a difference. Um, You know, his reputation is based on the sidelines as a manager and as an, and as, and as an elite coach. Whereas Gerard was sort of clinging on to his reputation as a as a world class player, uh, which which I know he had some success in Rangers, obviously, and, and, and credit to him for that. But um, yeah, it just didn't wash with with us down in uh, down in the Premier League and, and and us as Villa fans. And yeah, as I say, all the players have really reacted to him. And 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 the sign of a brilliant manager is is getting players who look like they were were sort of falling off, losing form, and and turning them into brilliant players you know the the, the the quality in the squad now is 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 there for all to see the goals Watkins has scored the energy McGinn is putting into every game the the tackles the blocks that both Conser and Mings have been making you know those are all things that weren't happening under Gerard at all and that's because Emery's come in and he's given them a job to do everybody knows what their job is everybody's comfortable in their positions and um and yeah and it all paid off the final few games of the season where we went on a big winning run and managed to secure European football with the first time we've done that in 13 years. And that's testament all to Emery. Uh, it's the same squad of players that Gerard had at the start of the season, the same squad that lost to Bournemouth, the same squad that, you know, lost to Palace as well, early day, early stage of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all Emery's doing. And, and you know, I'm in- incredibly grateful that he's chosen to come to Villa and, and uh, see us into the future. 100%. Well, George, goal of the season. What's yours? <laughs> I think we should say this at the same time. Um, well, no, right, actually, well, I'm different. I think I'm different are, to you. Are you different? Okay, yeah. so my goal of the season, 
Bertie Traore. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. We're not. I, I do have a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was struggling to think of, an, of, of another one. First of all, the sheer class of the finish. I mean, Bertrand Traore, as we've discussed before, he's a very mercurial figure. And almost every single goal he scored for us, and he has scored, to be fair, a fair few, has, yeah. have been have been just ludicrous. I've just been just very avant-garde finishes is probably the best way to describe them. The goal he scored against West Brom, where he sort of dribbled down down through the middle of the pitch, sort of getting past a couple of players and just side-footing it, can't passing it into the back of the net. It's just a beautiful goal, that one. Um, the goal against Chelsea as well at the tail end of, um, not last season, I think the season before that, you know, just just expert finish really was was a brilliant goal. And, and this one too, where he just side-foots it outside the box, misplaced... Um, pass I think it was maybe from Harvey Barnes or one of the Leicester defenders uh and Didi maybe uh and and you know spotting Everson off his line just just a few kind of yards off his line and curling it into the top corner and I think given the fact that that was a game against Leicester you know Leicester at the time were fighting for their lives it was away from home it was in the 86th minute very late on in the game and 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 the personnel, you know, Traore had been bombed out by Steven Gerrard, of course, because we didn't need wingers. Apparently, um, was brought back by uh, by Emery, brought back into the side, came on as a sub, and he made the difference. Um, and he won that game for us. And that I think, um, you know, it it really galvanised the team. And, and subsequently, we went on to win um, kind of more games in that portion of the season. And again, that helped us uh, finish where we finished. So for for me, yeah, that that goal from Bertie. Um, was 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 brilliant and and yeah goal of the season for me. Yeah, uh, it was a lovely redemption story, kind of similar to Tyron Mings, you know, again uh, sort of bombed out, I guess. Um, but uh, I think for me, I'm going to go with goal of the season of John McGinn against Chelsea. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. It was a great finish. Um, not as not as good a finish as Traore really, but uh, I guess it was more it was more the fact that I was there. Um, so standing, uh, I had a, just a great view of it because it was right down our end of the pitch at Stamford Bridge. Mm. Uh, and I never film anything at football apart from this one thing. Yeah, the first yeah. time I've, I actually filmed anything during a game just because the corner was right by me and I thought, well, I'll just film it, you know, I'll just catch it in case something happens. And then by yeah. complete fluke, it turned out to be that through Suiz, I think it sent a short pass in worked its way to Jacob Ramsey and a pass off to John McGinn who ran in and you could just feel something was going to happen as he ran up to it. Mm. Whipped it left-footed. Great finish. Yeah. Uh, 2-0. Final nail in the coffin for Graham Potter. And I think it was McGinn's first goal in 16 months. So I think just a lot of things came together for that. And, you know, it also was made it 2-0 at a place we don't tend to get results very often at Stamford Bridge. Mm. So it was a a special goal on a special day um, for a special player. Very good. Right. Biggest disappointment, Frankie. Biggest, and not, not personally. We're still yeah. talking about the Villa. Yeah. Um, biggest disappointment. Oh, if it was personally, I'd be, God, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> every day, every minute of every day, really. Um, <laughs> uh, biggest disappointment, the whole Gerard era, the entire thing. It was a total waste of time, uh, waste of time. Um, I, I don't want to belabor it too much. I mean, we've spoken about it already quite a bit. But yeah, Stevie B, um, uh, just <laughs> his whole presence was uh, ended up becoming quite toxic. Um, and I think uh, Villa 
uh, could have finished quite a bit higher in the table had we had somebody more competent in for the entire season rather than um, three quarters of it. Uh, but, you know, still happy with where we finished and all that. But um, slight, slight sense of a missed opportunity as well, considering where you see Newcastle finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, of all the games in that rain, I'd say the Bournemouth away game as well. Uh, that was uh, a, I said it before, it, it was a shock. I was so shocked at how bad Villa were. And from that moment, you just felt, God, are we in for a relegation fight here? Because it was it was, it was, was a horror show. So, yeah, that's my disappointment, I think. How about you? Yeah, Bournemouth away. I mean, I know, oh, yeah. I know I've, I've sort of, I've sort of boiled it down to that one game. I know you say the Gerrard era, but to be, if I'm going to give Gerrard any credit, uh, he did bring in uh, Kamara, who's one of our best yep. players. And, and, um, he helped sort of steady the ship after Dean Smith sort of lost a couple of games. So um, I would say not the entirety of Gerard's era. The first couple of months were, were okay. Obviously, it tailed off very quickly after that. But I'll give I'll give him I'll give him those two points. But specifically, the biggest disappointment for me was that Bournemouth away game, first game of the season, because we were all kind of geared up to see th- this was it. Now, wasn't it? It was kind of Gerard. You had his preseason. He brought in the players he wanted. This was his squad as he saw it. And we were all getting very excited and thinking, right, here we go. First game of the season. Let's get up and running and let's see what you've got. Let's see what you've been working on in preseason. And, uh, and you know, it's time to get very excited. And it was dreadful, utterly dreadful. Um, and I think, you know, as, as we talked about it at the time and subsequently, Again, I don't want to carp on about it, but that really was a moment where we just thought, "Oh God, you know that we've we've learned nothing. There's no, nothing, nothing has changed. But there's no kind of sense of identity. The players look lost. They look clueless. They're running around like headless chickens. The the gaps between defence, midfield, and attack were miles apart. Uh, we had Watkins and Ings up front that were just running into each other half the time, and it was it was like playground football." Mm. Um, and and yeah, as I said, it was a it was a huge shock, um, and it was just lucky that we weren't playing, perhaps someone who had you know sort of again no disservice to Bournemouth because they've done really well to stay up this this uh, season. But if we played like a a Man City or a or an Arsenal, I mean, God help us, we we probably would have lost that game by in, in double digits the way we played. Mm. So it was um it was pretty frightening to be honest, and um and that and that set the tone for the rest of Gerrard's tenure this season. So yeah, for me, biggest disappointment, hundred percent, Bournemouth away. Yeah, it was quite annoying for about two or three months of the season to have a one thousand yard stare at all moments of every day uh, during that time. So I'm glad, I'm glad it came to an end when it did. Yeah, same. And... Uh, right, okay. Uh, final award, mm-hmm. Frankie. I, I think we probably once more agree on this, but we'll see. Match of the season. What is right. the match of the season? Right. Well, I think the best performance Aston Villa have had in, in maybe over a decade, maybe two decades, was the 3-0 against Newcastle. Newcastle are the best defence in the league. They barely lost all season. It was the acid test. It was the one you thought, right, this is where we're going to find out. You know, after there's been a lot of talk, you know, around media at times about how Villa were getting a bit lucky. Um, and so we turned up to this game thinking, right, are Villa going to get found out here? 
and we absolutely destroyed Newcastle. It could have been six or seven nil. It was a, mm. an unbelievable display from the players, and it was an unbelievable display from Unai Emery the way he approached that game. But you know what? For me, match of the season, Emery's first game, Manchester United won, Aston Villa three at yeah. uh, Villa Park. I was at the game in 95. You never win anything with kids match. I was sat in the Trinity Road stand, the 3-1 then, and uh, with my Irish relatives. 27 years on, I was sat with my Irish relatives again in the Trinity Road stand uh, to see us beat Manchester United finally, <laughs> end that yeah. curse and win Crazy, 3-1. So maybe I need to always have my Irish relatives over in the Trinity Road stand. Maybe that's the lucky, <laughs> the lucky sense, because we'll then... Uh, we maybe we'll win every game ever uh, in that scenario. But <laughs> but Emery in his first game to end that hoodoo. And you could sense there was an atmosphere uh, just from the first minute of that game. There was something, mm. something was was on. And, uh, you know, the term like suck the ball into the goal. The fact that Man United had made us switch ends and made us play towards the whole end, it actually worked out perfectly for us because the crowd was so amped that when Bailey got, you know, Ramsey put Bailey through for the first goal, it felt like the crowd had just dragged it in. It, mm. it really did. It was, mm. um, and as soon as it went in, like the, the the noise level was just amazing. And then Luca Dean scored a direct free kick again. I think our first one since 2014, which was was Ashley Westwood at Old Trafford. Um, and again, another game I was at. <laughs> we lost four uh, one. So I, I kind of I don't see why I seem to be at these historic events for some reason. Um, somebody was sort of accidentally in the background of photos. JFK assassination. I probably stood there. I'm like the I'm badge man on the grassy knoll or whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, um, uh, it, it was uh, yeah. And then for Villa to go on and win it three one like they did, it was a statement win. It was a huge. The atmosphere was just incredible, and it's just been a positive ever since, really. And um, yeah, that for me, I think ending that curse beating United and just saying, this is a new Aston Villa. It was a special day and a special game for me. But how about you, George? Do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, those those two absolutely stand out. I mean, again, honourable mentions to the, the win at Brighton, who who we've done, done the double over Brighton now, which is quite impressive given their season. Yeah. Um, and um, and the win at Spurs, that was that was lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think for me, for me, it's a Newcastle game because of how how informed they were at the time and you know we kind of needed to get um we needed to get a result uh, i think if we held out against liverpool away i probably i, I might actually have put that higher uh, if we won that game because As of what was on it yeah. and, uh, and and who the opposition was and how we played you know i think we were actually quite unlucky to to drop points in that one um but but yeah newcastle was just an unbelievable performance and result and it came you know towards the end of the season as i say against um, uh, against a team that were, you know, riding high and obviously ultimately finishing the Champions League places, and we had our eyes on Europe, and we were sort of creeping up at that stage, looking to, 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 uh, to finish ultimately where we did finish, um, and that was the first game really that people outside took proper notice of Villa. Uh, you know, we were kind of sneaking up at the table. We were sort of twelfth for about a million years, um, and then and then we started to pick up a few more wins and and creep up a bit a, a bit higher and. After that game, it was when outsiders were like, "Wow, okay, you know the the, the uh, you know Emery's masterclass is is there for all to see." So, um, yeah, for me, for me, it's that Newcastle result. But absolutely, that first game, uh, the, you know, the win against United um, sort of highlights what Emery's been all about this season. He's been break, breaking the curses, you know, the curses of the away kits, the curses of you know results against certain teams. You know, um, he, he's been he's been sort of smashing through all those curses. So. 
that's been really good to see. But yeah, as I say, three um, 0 against Newcastle was was just brilliant. Welcome back. It's time to look back on our pre-season predictions, George. Oh, well, it's uh, an interesting batch. Uh, I think we did a bit better this year than we did last year. Last year was the year I thought, right, nobody should ever listen to us again on anything. Uh, <laughs> don't take, don't take betting advice from us. That's what I'd say. Um, but this year, I think we've done all right, actually. We've done okay. We've done, we've done okay. all right. Um, so, George, uh, we both said to uh, both asked, where would Aston Villa finish this season? I said eighth oof and george you said eighth or ninth so what that suggests is firstly we were delusional about how gerard would get on with the team yeah <laughs> but secondly we had full confidence in how good the squad actually was so there we go see you know, uh, hey that's brilliant i'm happy with that that's good i think that's a good shout you know there's no guarantees that they would get up there but i thought the signing of bubikar kamara and then the players that yeah. we had around us in the squad i thought there was no reason at all villa couldn't finish Top top eight or aim for that, and lo and behold, uh, Pro- Professor Uno managed to get us up to seventh. So lovely stuff. We were close. Yeah, yeah. That that when we lost three 0 to Fulham, uh, eighth was looking miles away, wasn't it? But um, yeah. but but yes. When when the professor came in, then all of a sudden we 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 got it. We did. Yeah, better than expected, didn't we? So yeah. you know, seventh seventh place finish, eighth prediction, not bad, not bad. Yeah, I, I, when we lost three 0 to Fulham, I was thinking maybe eighth in the championship next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, after that, we both said who's the key man for Villa this season, and we both mm. went for Emiliano Buendia. Yeah. What was our reasoning behind that? I think, um, I think what I said was that it was. Uh, I thought the the kind of who would be the difference maker in those games, you know, those tight 1-1 draws. Yeah. Who might make it 2-1 with a, a little bit of magic. Jesus, I, I sound like Stevie B there, don't I? I just need that <laughs> bit of magic. Oh, dear. I, th- I think it was just that Buendia might, I don't know, be, been the fulcrum that got the attack, the final third going, basically. Um, hmm. I'd say in some games he was the key man, actually. Um, a few really good performances. But on the whole of the season, that didn't turn out to be the case, I would say. No, no. He, yeah, I mean, he, he he played his part, as you say, in some games, but he he, he blew a bit hot and cold, yeah. um, which was unfortunate. Uh, and, and obviously, actually, when 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 Gerard was in charge, he, he had ever played. So, um, so well, it's yeah. quite lucky that yeah. um, that Unai came in and, and, and squeezed what he could out of him because he did have an impact. You know, the, say the Spurs game comes to mind, that goal there. But um, yeah, certainly, certainly wasn't a key man. Um, and it, actually, it, it will be quite interesting this summer where you know Buendia fits in you know if we if we have a very very busy summer um you know potentially he could be one that might potentially be moved on frankie i would argue i hope we can uh, hope he sticks around and plays a part in europe indeed uh right so uh breakthrough as well well i mean there wasn't really a breakthrough player this year i mean Yon Duran. Uh, I don't know why you didn't predict Yon Duran back in uh, August of last year, George. Uh, <laughs> from uh, you know the guy who was playing for Chicago Fire at the time. Uh, but no, I, I, I crossed my mind. I guess if you were to say he was a breakthrough player, you'd probably have to look at somebody who performed well on loan. And I'd argue Aaron Ramsey maybe was uh, somebody you didn't expect to do as well as he did. Uh, you know, he performed well at Norwich, though there seems to be a bit funny about him. The Norwich fans and Billsbury mm. played very well as well. But then I think he went with Cameron Archer. As a breakthrough player, um, again, he performed very well at Middlesbrough. Um, got quite a lot of goals. Yeah, him. yeah. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I suppose we didn't really have 
a player that came out of nowhere at Villa. Like we had a very settled squad. There wasn't anybody that was coming in, uh, you know, because when you think of breakthrough, you think kind of young player. I mean, obviously you'd say Jacob Ramsey improved, but he'd sort of come through under mm, Gerard the previous season. So that didn't, that didn't really, that didn't really count. And and with, with Archer, he sort of broke through more at Preston, maybe the end of the year before, but yeah, but yeah you're right. He did, he did continue that good form on loan with, with, uh, with Borough. And it'd be interesting to see, um, how Emery uses him next season, if at all, whether he decides that, you know, he's one that's surplus to requirements. But but Frankie, who, who did you say? Uh well, you could also argue for Tim Rogue, but I'm at QPR has had you a can. good season, that's so true, QPR yeah. have been a bit not great. Um I went with Can Kessler Hayden, a player I really like every time I've seen him. Mm. I know he was highly rated by the Villa coaches. Uh he did extremely well on loan at Swindon and MK Dons. Yeah. But uh, it hasn't quite worked out for him at Huddersfield. Now, mm. I don't watch Huddersfield, so I don't really know what happened there. I don't know. I know they've not performed well this season, Huddersfield. Um, I don't know whether the style of play just wasn't suitable. Sometimes it just there's some clubs you go to and it just doesn't work, um, and that's just what happened for him, unfortunately. But a uh, you know player with a lot of talent, a lot of upside. So hopefully, um, you know. It will still come good for him wherever that may be. Absolutely, and you know, um, when he went out on loan initially, obviously he was uh, Emery wasn't in charge, uh, so you might have a proper look at him over the summer. And of course, with Ashley Young going, um, you know that's that's a spot that that, that um, Emery might look at as a, as a place where where he could see a future uh, for Ken Hayden. But yeah, we 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 shall see. But um, but yeah, a disappointing season for him. But he's he's got lots of talent, as we know. So hopefully he'll bounce back. Yeah. Well, uh, George, uh, me and you uh, both predicted the same for who was going to win the Premier League. We both said, we, we, I mean, this was really visionary stuff. We both yeah. said Manchester City wow, were going to win God, the Premier really? League. Shock. Yeah. Really, really smart. Um, uh, I, I, I did say, um, I did, say, I did, I did a dramatic pause though, where I went, um, but you know what, George? I tell you what, Tottenham squad ain't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't yeah. quite work out for them, did it? Spurs um, didn't didn't work out for them. No, no, no. I mean they kind of fell off. They they were competitive for three quarters of the season at that end of the table, and then you know self sabotage. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Antonio just, Conte lost the plot there, really, and yeah, yeah. as yeah. as he tends to. So um, yeah, it was history repeating itself a little bit there, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, top four. It ended up being Man City, followed by Arsenal, Manchester United, and Newcastle. George, you went with. Manchester City, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. And um, this is going to shock the world here. I did exactly the same as you, George. <laughs> what? Yeah, I predicted no exactly the same. Um, yeah. So Liverpool underperformed, Spurs yeah. underperformed. But I think to, for us both to say Arsenal were going to make top four was quite, quite impressive, actually. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think we were, obviously, before then, they'd sort of struggled a little bit under Arteta, didn't they? Um, yeah. We sort of debated whether it was going to be Arsenal or Man United from memory sneaking mm. into the top four. We said Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't say can't see Liverpool underperforming under as much. I mean, you know, if they finish fifth at the end of the day after the struggling all season, which isn't, you know, awful. Um, but by their standards, they want to be obviously challenging for the title. And I think next season, because they had to bring in obviously a lot of players. Mm. Um, they've had a whole season working together. I think Klopp will... We'll get them going next year. So I, th- I think they'll be more competitive next year. But um, yeah, um, it's difficult to call. I mean, Newcastle really came out of nowhere. And I think next season will be interesting 
how will they balance it competing in the Champions League and in the Premier League next year? Who knows? So that'll be that'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think next season will be too much different, to be honest, really. It'll be more or less the same top teams, of course, with them Villa winning it. Um that's the only yeah. difference. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Villa winning it, walk into it, hundred points. Uh so relegation. Well, George, mm, you made a very interesting call here. The eventual clubs that went down were Leeds, Leicester and Southampton. I went with Bournemouth, Fulham and Brentford. Uh, Brentford, you you may forget, had actually performed, had actually kind of been performing quite badly uh, until they signed Christian Eriksen. And then they refound themselves and they lost Eriksen to Manchester United. And I thought... Second season syndrome, Ericsson's not there. Will they just get a bit found out? But hey, I underestimated just how good a coach Thomas Frank is. Mm. Underestimated what a good side they are. Tough place to go as well, Brentford, and how brilliant Ivan Tony is. So um, yeah, yeah um, awesome performance from them. So none of them teams went down ultimately. Silver did a great job at Fulham. And uh, Gary O'Neill, fantastic job at Bournemouth with that squad, to be honest. But George, you only predicted one team to get relegated for some reason. And that and team I was was- right. You went Leeds. <laughs> yeah. Well done, George. Leeds. Thanks, Frankos. Yeah, I don't know. I think at the time I just thought, I looked at their squad, I just thought they haven't really strengthened here. Um, you know, uh, they they just, I just, I just thought, um, I think Jesse Marsh was still was their manager, I think, at the start of last season. Yes, he was. Is that right? I think yeah, he was. It was. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just felt, it, it, it didn't feel like a team that was particularly stable. I didn't see a, a goal scorer. I know Bamford was there and he scored a, a fair few, but he had his fitness problems to begin with. And beyond that, they just looked paper thin. Mm. Um, they they sold Rafinha, huge player for them. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, I just I just thought inexperienced manager, inexperienced squad, no goal scorer, they're in trouble. And so they were. So um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of Leeds, but I appreciate they are a. A big club, and and you know they they seem to be going through a bit of a problem at the moment off the field again, uh, again, yeah. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah, it does actually feel that way. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. The championship is so competitive. We've, we've seen the likes of Sheffield Wednesday go back up, and you know some big teams drop down with them. Leicester and 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 um, Southampton, obviously, you know, clubs that have been in the Premier League for so long. Mm. Not to mention all the other teams that are in the championship. With heritage of the Premier League, Blackburn or whatever. So, yeah, they they could they could struggle next season. Season, I I, I fear. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then also, this was the wild card question: What crazy incident will happen this season? Uh, so bear in mind, look, we we're just predicting absurd things that could happen. Uh, George, you went with Jacob Ramsey called into the England team. Oh, it's that's it's, not bad because all right, uh, fair enough. You know, if yeah, it's like a house on fire. Considering at the start of the season, we said that that would have been a crazy thing to happen. Yeah. In fact, by the end of the season, legitimately, people were thinking it was a bit of a shock that he wasn't. I'm I'm happy with that. That's a good one. Yeah. And then, George, I went with Lawrence Bassini. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, I the, yeah. This sort of quite odd character who yeah. uh, was talking about buying Burnley. My favourite talk sport, for obvious reasons. Fa- yes. He's completely insane. Favourite yeah. talk sport. Um, yes, uh, I said that Lawrence Bassini would take over Birmingham City and move them to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I uh, that unfortunately did not come to pass. Um, no. But I'm, you know, I've still got my fingers crossed 
still got things got to one day it'll happen. There's still time. There's yeah. still time. Well, there we are, Frankie. I mean, yeah, as you say, not a bad set of predictions, considering as you say, normally we get these things totally wrong. Mm. Um, so some some random predictions there, but generally speaking, I think we've both done all right. I think we can pat ourselves on the back with that one. I think so. Yeah. Um, I pat myself on the back very often. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself credit for saying Man City will win the league. No one could have seen <laughs> that coming. Nobody. Well, Nostradamus. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Uh, Frankie, I'll catch you in your crystal ball later on. See you in a bit, George. I'm seeing a positive future for Aston Villa in this crystal ball. And a lovely future for you as well, George. Wedding bells and things like that. Oh, so, very exactly. exciting things. It's all very exciting. I, yeah, exactly. I get married in August and, and August will see the start of our Premier League title winning season. I can't wait, Frankie. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is goodbye from me. We will be back again in the very near future. I'm looking in that ball. We're going to be back very soon to review transfers and more. But until then, come on Super Aston Villa. <laughs>